Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're here today. Turn to your neighbor and say you look really good this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about expectation. How many of you have ever had expectations in your life and it didn't turn out like what you thought? Well, we all do, and people disappoint us, and different circumstances in our life uh, don't always uh, pan out like we think that they should. Uh, ladies, let me address you. H have you ever, you know, went to the tanning booth, or you're laid out in the backyard, you went to the beach, or you went somewhere to the lake, and you thought, I'm going to really get a good tan, and then I'm going to get my makeup together, and this is what you expected over on the left, this is what I'm going to look like over here, and this is reality. <laughs> Reality hits you over here on the right. Um, b because sometimes in life it doesn't always pan out like what you think. Uh, or guys, you know, you're growing up and, you know, you're starting to get a little facial hair. And you think, I'm going to grow a mustache and I'm going to look like Tom Selleck. And, and you know, here is uh, uh, expectation and over here is uh, reality. <laughs> so it, it doesn't pan out quite what you thought. Or... Um, you, you think about how you look when you sleep. And you say, okay, when I go to sleep, I look really good. My hair's in place. My makeup's there. And I look really sweet. And so expectations over here. And here's really how you look on this side <laughs> over here. So that's, that's your reality. How many of you have ever went to a restaurant and you got the menu and it had pictures of the food on the menu? And you said, I'm going to get this because it looks really good. And then you get your food, and this is what it's advertised on the left, and here's reality over here on the right. So, you know, you, you have false expectations. Or, you, you know, let's kind of get down to our neighborhood. You have $200, and you're going to go to the horse auction, and you have in your mind what kind of horse you're going to buy. And so uh, expectations on the, the, the left over here, and here's reality is what you end up with on the right. So everybody goes through some false expectations and vivid reality. So I want to talk to you about that today. Would you stand with me? Let's read one verse together. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So the Apostle Peter is speaking to us, and he says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now I want to give it from a different translation. The New Living Translation says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again, indeed, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Say that last part. With great expectation. Let's say it again. With great expectation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here today. We love you. We praise you. Open up our hearts, our minds to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Do you remember, remember Michael Landon, uh, Bonanza, Little Joe, Cartwright, um, Charles Ingalls, Little House on the Prairie, he played in uh, Highway to Heaven. Michael's father died when Michael was 23 years old, and uh, Michael has been married three times. He's fathered uh, nine children. He died of cancer at the age of 54. So a lot of... Uh, 
disappointments in his life. And he gave us this quote, expectations in your life just lead to giant disappointments. And, and I think that there is some truth in that, but I also think that sometimes when you don't expect, you just don't get. So expectations are a good thing. And you, you want to come to a point where you realize that expectations will be disappointed. I mean, everybody's been disappointed. If your expectations in people, how many of you know you're going to be disappointed? Because I've disappointed Carrie, Carrie's disappointed me. There, there's times that you've disappointed your friends, your neighbors, even church people. You come and you, uh, you get disappointed. But, you know, even your kids will disappoint you, right? And you expect things out of them. You expect them, you know, to be the, the star football player and make straight A's and, uh, you know, just do great. And sometimes they, they disappoint you. But people will always disappoint you. If you're wrapped up in people, I'm going to tell you, your expectation will always be dashed because people will fail you. Donald Miller said when you quit expecting people to be perfect, you can start liking them for who they are. So sometimes we set people way up here, and that's not really how it should be. However, your expectations can shape your reality. And that's what I want to talk to you about. So if you have your ears on, I want to tell you there are some expectations that we have to be very careful about, not just having, but just those who don't have any expectations or dropping your expectations because we can have a false reality and a false narrative of what we expect that can change our life. Uh, Travis Bradbury wrote in a magazine recently, he listed eight unre unrealistic expectations that can ruin your life. He, here's the first one. Life can be unfair. Duh. How many of you know life can be unfair? And if you're expecting life to be fair, fair at your job, fair at work, fair at marriage, that's not going to happen to you. Here's the second one. Opportunities should just fall into my lap. That doesn't happen either. How about number three? Everyone should like me. Here's a checkup from the neck up. Everyone doesn't like you. And I'm struggling. I'm just kidding. Have you found out you can make an enemy and not even try to make an enemy? That people dislike you and they don't even know you? So everybody's not going to be your friend. They're not going to like you. Number four, people should agree with me. Number five, people should know that I that that I that that they know should know what I'm trying to say. Number six, uh, I'm going to fail. Uh, things will make me happy. That's a false expectation. Uh, number eight, I can change them. How many people got married and they said, "Well, I'll change them." False expectation. Doesn't happen, does it? How many of you know only God can change people? Carrie said this to me about two or three years in our marriage. She said, Mike, she said, I've quit trying to change you. And I thought, why would you want to change me? <laughs> this is a true story. I'm not, I'm not making this up. She said, Mike, I've quit trying to change you. She said, but I've started praying that God would change you. Now, listen, if you're a new husband, that's kind of a hard pill to swallow because you think, you know, you're just God's gift to women. And here your wife's saying, Mike, I've, I've tried to, you know, change you, and I can, and I'm going to pray for God to change you. David deals with this. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 62, and I, I want to just get a little bit deeper into this, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll connect to what I'm saying. In verse 3, David says in Psalm 62, he says, I'm under attack and assault. He goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, he said, there are people who want to pull me down. They want to remove me from my position, topple me over. With their mouths, they bless me, but with their hearts, they 
curse me. Have you ever had anybody that was nice to your face but hated you when they left you? So there were two faces. We say this, they're, they're two faces. They're really nice to you, they, they, they talk well to you, and then when they leave you, they talk ugly about you, they run you down, and David said they, they hate me in their heart. Verses 9 and 10, he says, There are people of low degree, unscrupulous men, who are liars and extortionists around me. Now, that's the bad news in this psalm. But in the psalm, chapter 62, he says, I'm waiting on God. God is my rock and my defense. He's my fortress. My soul rests in the the Lord. My hope is in God. My honor is dependent upon God. All power belongs to God. Mercy belongs to you, God. David is saying, my salvation, God, is in you, which brings us to verse 5, and this is where I want to get. He says, my soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is in him. Because people are disappointing me. I, I'm looking to this and this and this, and my expectations are not met. I have a false reality. But God, my expectation is in you. Let me tell you something, Saint. The only person who will never disappoint you is Almighty God. Because I don't care who loves you and who you love, they'll disappoint you and you'll disappoint them sometime in life, right? And we've all done that. But he says, my expectation is from him. God, I have to trust you. You're my expectation. Now, this word expectation is the Hebrew word tikva. Say that with me. Tikva. Now, let's all say it again. Tikva. That is the Hebrew word for expectation here. So you can leave today and say, I know Hebrew. Well, you know one word, tikva. It is the word used for expectation. And nearly every time in the Bible, it is translated tikva for expectation. It means hope, things we hope for, things we expect. But there are a couple of times it's translated into a completely different word. And let me give you that time. The word Tikva also means cord or rope. It means cord or rope. Why would that translation of expectation and that translation of cord or rope be tied to the same word? Do you remember when Joshua sent the spies over to spy out the land when they were getting ready to conquest it? And the first city they came to was what? The city of Jericho. So they're spying out the land of Canaan. They come to Jericho and they find out there are spies in the city of Jericho. So there was a woman who hid them. And they were on the top of the roof. She took some flax and she, she covered them up. So they're searching for these spies. And the woman is Rahab the harlot. She's a prostitute. And so when they finally could not find them and they escaped, the way they escaped was that Rahab the harlot took a rope. Everybody say rope. If you have a different translation, it says a thread. But how many of you know a thread's not going to hold us up? Y'all are so holy. It's going to take a rope to hold me up. So it is a red scarlet rope. And they took that red scarlet rope and they ascended down the wall and they escaped. And then before they left, they told Rahab, okay, we're going to take this city. God's going to destroy it. But if you'll take this scarlet thread, this scarlet rope, and put it in your window... We, we will know this is where you live and when we're going to tell everybody when we can quest the land we will not destroy this house so, so whoever wants to be saved you've got to be in this house with this tikva in the window what happened here the tikva, the cord or the rope tied their deliverance or tied their salvation to 
the company that's coming in to destroy the land. So the tikva is the tie between two things. Your expectation, my expectation, is the tie between what I want to happen, what I desire to happen, and the future goal and the happening that I'm headed to. You get it? So when you have an expectation, it ties you to the end result. It ties you to the goal. But if you don't have an expectation, you're just kind of willy-nilly going around, you know. So this tikva tied her deliverance in the conquest to Rahab and her family. Everybody here has to have some ties to where you're going. Because if you don't have some ties to where you're going, you're not really headed anywhere that you need to go. So it's the tie. The red rope became the tikva of her rescue. My grandfather, his name was Dole. I don't, I don't know how far Grandpa went in school. I asked him one time, I said, Grandpa, how far did you go in school? He said, son, I went so far till the desk got so small for me that I had to leave school. So you, you figure that out. I don't know how far it was. But, but Grandpa, he was up around 80, and uh, my grandmother died in her 40s. And dad was about 20-something when she died. And then later on in life, he remarried uh, a lady by the, uh, the name of Elthera. Now, Grandpa and Elthera are old school. I'm talking about old school. Really old school. And I don't know if Elthera even had her driver's license. She may have, but I didn't hardly ever see her drive. So one time, Grandpa, his car broke down over by the country store out where we live. Now... He calls Althera and he says, come get me to tow me home. Have you ever been towed with a chain? How many of you have ever been towed with a chain? Okay. There's an art for the tower and there's an art for the towee. So if you've ever been towed with a chain, I mean, it's not easy. You've you got to kind of figure out how to do this. Althera hardly ever drives. I don't even know if she's got a driver's license. So she comes to help Grandpa, and they have this long chain tied between two cars. Now, I just happened to drive up to the little country store there, the convenience store, before Elthir is getting ready to tow Grandpa back home. Now, neither one of them can hear very well. So there's all this slack in the chain. They've tied it up, and Grandpa says, go. And Elthira went. And when she went, she popped that chain and grandpa's neck went, whoa! And so, if you understand this, once you pop it, it comes back together. And then you go again. And, and, and so, they're pulling out of the parking lot and, and it's, it's really comical. And grandpa's neck is kind of snapping back and forth and he's hollering, whoa, and she thinks he's saying, go. And when they went by me, he looked out the window and he said, son, if I can ever stop her, I'll kill her. <laughs> they had a tikva between them. They were tied together. So the point being, you have to have a tie, which is your expectations, to where you want to end up or what you want to accomplish. Because if you don't, you'll be like a Michael Landon that says, life is so tough, so rough, I'm not going to expect anything good because I'm always disappointed. Listen, life will disappoint you enough, but I'm going to guarantee you, your expectation is in him and not in them. So we want to 
life where we want to arrive, right? So we have to have the tikva in our life, the expectation. Listen, I'm not expecting to arrive without difficulty, are you? I'm not expecting to arrive without challenges or hurts or wounds. I'm not expecting somebody else to do it for me. David is not expecting someone else. As he said, my expectation is from him. And if you're familiar with that psalm, David is saying, I have a strong belief that God is going to help me. God is going to do something to secure my kingdom, secure my position, and God is going to give me favor. My expectation is from him. So what are some of the ways that you and I can live in expectation? Okay, we're going to start the sermon right now. You ready? Three things this morning. Get a pencil and paper out. What can I do to live in that type of expectation? Number one, every day I need to engage in God talk or faith talk. Every day I need to engage in God talk or faith talk. We have to acknowledge his presence and his power. We have to say, God, I'm beginning my day today, and I need your help, and I'm going to confess that I have it. Psalm 62. Let's go back and re uh, Re-examine this. This is what David is saying. In the midst of, people are trying to talk about me. People hate me without a cause. They're trying to topple me from my kingdom, remove me from my position. But then in that same psalm, he says, I'm waiting on God. God is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. My soul finds, finds rest in God. My hope is in God. My honor is dependent upon God. All power belongs to God. Mercy belongs to God. Let me tell you, that's some positive words there. So in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the challenges, he's saying, okay, God, you got me here. You're going to keep me here. You're going to help me through this. And this is thematic with David. Let me tell you why. Because as you go through the Psalms, this is what you're going to find. Let's look how the Psalm actually starts out. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law does he meditate, meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall also not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. How many of you know that's pretty positive? So, the Psalms actually start out that way. Psalm 512. Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with the shield. 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there's pleasure forevermore. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Later on he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How long? All the days of my life. What's David is saying? Yeah, I face challenges every day. But you know what? I'm going to get up and say, God, you got this. You're my expectation. Wherever I go today, surely goodness and mercy and favor will follow me every day of my life. So you and I have to have a good tikva a tie that ties us to something good and positive. And the Word of God does that in your life. So get up, God talk, faith talk. You said, Pastor, what does that do? Everything better than negative talk. It does everything better than negative talk. Because every day you have a challenge, and I have a challenge in life. And we have to get up and say, I'm going to overcome that challenge because my expectation is in him, not just me, not my goodness, not my education, not my money. My expectation is him. Here's number two. Don't just see problems, see opportunities. 
Don't just see problems, see opportunities. Now, David that we're talking about here had a giant of a problem in his life. And, and I don't say that facetiously. He had a giant of a problem in his life, correct? So here David is. He comes to help his brothers by bringing food. Goliath has been making his boast. And David hears the boast of Goliath. And there is chatter among the army. And this is the original chatter. There's going to be some things done for the man who defeats the giant. And this is what's going to be done. The king's going to lavish great riches upon him. He's going to give that person his daughter to marry, and he won't have to pay taxes for the rest of his life. Goodness gracious, go fight that giant, right? That's exactly what was said. There's three things. Great riches, you get to marry the king's daughter, you don't have to pay taxes for the rest of your life. So you move into royalty, you move into position, you don't have to pay taxes, you immediately become wealthy. And so David, when he heard that, he asked the question again. Now tell me again, what happens to the person who kills the giant? What is the key here? The key is, if you kill the giant, these things happen. There was a tie between David and the giant. The, the, the benefits of killing the giant was the tikva, was the cord, was the rope that tied the two together, and everyone has to have a reason for what they do. You can have bad reasons, you can have good reasons, right? So David goes out and fights the giant, and he gets the king's daughter. He gets to be rich immediately. He also gets to be tax-free for the rest of his life. So David goes out, and he sees this challenge, but now it becomes his opportunity to be vaunted to national notoriety. Listen, if Peter never was in a storm, he would have never walked on water. There's only two people in the Bible that walked on water, Jesus and Peter. But if there was no storm, Peter would have never walked on the water. You see, you can see the storm, you can see the difficulty, you can see the challenge, or you can see the opportunity in the middle of it. Many people have done great things when they saw the challenge or the difficulty, but they saw the opportunity in the middle of it. Let me take you back just a few years. Do you remember that um, we went through some really tough times over the years? And uh, about, what, four or five years ago, we had a five-year drought. Warwicka Lake was maybe a third of the size that it once was. They, they had to dredge out the, uh, the lake so that they could even suck the water in because the, the, the lake got so low. Uh, cattle were dying. There was no water left. We raised cattle. So we had to move to different places. We had to haul water. I had to buy hay out of Kansas and have it trucked in on semi-trucks. Very expensive. Well, people were telling me, Mike, you just need to sell out. And so I weathered the storm, and uh, we lost some cattle. They would go out in these old boggy uh, ponds that they're trying to get water. They'd get stuck. Before I could get to them, some of them died. I lost four or five of them that way. And so I, I decided, well, I'm going to try to weather the storm. It was very difficult. It was very expensive. But you know what happened? So many people sold cattle, and so many cattle were slaughtered in that five-year period. When the drought broke, the number of cattle had dropped so much that now cattle prices are the highest they've ever been. So because I didn't sell, now when I take my cattle to market, I'm getting the best price that I've ever got in my life. 
But if you bailed in the middle of it, and I understood why you, why you might have done that, but if you bailed in the middle of it, you sold when it was flooded, and the market is now at the lowest. If you weathered the storm, you sold after it was over, and the prices is higher, right? So sometimes we make horrible decisions in the storm and the difficulty, but if we had a tick, if we had a tie of expectation, we could have gotten through that, and it would have been for our benefit. So, hey, I'm about to lose my job. I think I'm going to get laid off. I'm in jeopardy here. Well, this may be a good time to update your resume. This may be a good time to say, I may want the job that I've always wanted. This may be a good time to say, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get educated. I'm going to start networking with some friends and family to see what's out there. I'm going to go back and see what the next chapter of my life's going to be. It's a good time to start my own business. You can say, okay, this is a horrible time. This is a difficult time. Or you can say, okay, in this time, what's going to be my opportunity to move forward? Winston Churchill put it best. He said, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. There was a sophomore at Harvard University, and he realized the problem of students connecting with each other. He said, we've got a lot of students here, thousands of students. We don't know each other very well. We don't know their names. So he decided he was going to network on uh, the computer the students at Harvard. So if you'll give me your picture, here's the grade you're in. You're a senior, you're a sophomore, junior, freshman. This is what your major is. These are your hobbies. I'm going to put this up. If you'd like to subscribe to it, you can. In the first 24 hours, 1,200 Harvard students connected to his site. Today, we know that is Facebook. And today there are 2.2 billion people who are on his site called Facebook. He's now worth $70 billion, and Mark Zuckerberg's company is worth a half a trillion dollars. So what did he do? He says, okay, here's the difficulty. We don't know each other. We're not connecting. Let me try something here. About uh, 14 years later, he's worth $70 billion. Now, you're looking at me like a calf in a new gate. What I'm trying to, trying to tell you this morning, too many times we see difficulties, we back up instead of go forward. Too many times we see challenges instead of saying, what can I learn from this? How can I gain from this? What can I pursue in this? What's my tikva to tie me through this to my expectation? We just give up too hard. I, I can't do this, and we don't get much results. I love Micah up here singing. There was a young lady by the name of Chris Carr. She was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer a few years ago, back in 2003. And Chris noticed that there weren't many books or movies or things to help young ladies who have cancer to get through their difficult times. So what she did, she uh, filmed herself going through her treatments and chemotherapy, and she made a documentary out of her experience. And then she wrote a book about it, and then she wrote a book about what to eat, if you're going through a cancer uh, experience. She wrote health books and she began to write a blog and diet books and nutritional books and today she's worth $11 million. So what did she do? She said, okay, here's my challenge, here's my difficulty, here's my storm, so I'm going to do something positive in the middle of this and when she came out of it, she's worth $11 million. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? So what we have to do is realize that sometimes God sets you up with a giant. Sometimes God sets you up with a storm. 
And he's going to say, are you going to be like everybody else? Are you going to fear? Are you going to go out and face the challenge and come out of this better than you were? Or here's the drought. Are you going to sell out, go back? Are you going to come out the other side? Here's the storm. Are you going to walk on water? Are you going to stay in the boat? So your expectation ties you to the end result. What are you expecting? Well, Mike, I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. I don't have that much faith. Listen, it's not about you. It's about where's your trust? Where's your expectation? Let's go back to David. My expectation is from him. That's where my expectation is. My expectation is not in how smart I am, how good I am. Now, listen, you have a part to play, but you have to see the difficulty as an opportunity. Expect something to good out of good out of something that's difficult. Don't look at it with eyes of doubt. Look at it with eyes of faith and promise. And here's the last one. Number three, prepare for what you're praying for. Prepare for what you're praying for. Well, I'm praying for this. Well, what are you doing about it? Well, I'm just praying for it. If you really pray in faith, you're preparing for what you're praying for. If you're expecting something, you have to be preparing for it. Now, Carrie, guess where she's at this weekend? With our grandbaby. Most of you know about, uh, what, about six weeks ago, we, we had a new grandbaby. And when Aaron and Natalie told us that they were going to have a baby, immediately they began to prepare for the baby. They had to find a doctor. She started taking prenatal vitamins. Aaron put up a ceiling fan, painted the nursery. They go out and find a crib. They go out and find a baby bed. They're, they're buying diapers. Why? They're expecting. If you're expecting and doing nothing, you're really not expecting at all. If you're praying for something and you're not doing anything for what you're praying for, you really don't believe what you're praying for at all. Some, somebody say amen in this church. If we're praying for something, we need to be preparing for what we're praying for. So they're, they're doing the nursery, ceiling fan, buying a crib, a stroller, finding a doctor. She's taking vitamins. Aaron's going to birthing classes, which he did not like. Because we're going to have a baby. We're expecting something. So if you're expecting something, you're getting ready for what you're expecting. We're expecting this church to grow. So that's why we're adding staff. That's why we're, you know, raising funds to build buildings. Why? We're expecting. Well, if you're really expecting and you're not doing anything, you're not really expecting at all. You have to prepare for what you're praying for. So that causes us to be in expectation. Jesus said, you cannot put new wine in old wine skins. So if you're trying to put new wine in an old wine bottle, that will not work for you because you're going to lose the new wine because you're not prepared for the new wine. So we have to say, what I have today may not be adequate for tomorrow. Who I am today may not be adequate for tomorrow. So I've got to stretch myself. I mean, you do know when you're expecting, you stretch. Ladies, if you're expecting, you're stretching. Because if you're not stretching, you're not expecting. Unless you're just eating too much. But anyway, so, so if you're expecting, what are you doing? You're, you're stretching. And for me, if I'm expecting more, then I have to become more. And you have to become more. 
So what do we do? We're continuing to look forward to what we're expecting. I want to give you four things how to prepare for what you're praying for. So here's what it takes to prepare for what you're praying for. Number one, it takes focus. It takes focus. David is going to move from shepherd to king, but it's not going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the next month. David is anointed in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. It's about 13 years later until he sits on the throne. Samuel comes, anoints him, says, you're going to be the next king of Israel. A day passes, a month passes, a year passes, another year, another year, another year. And David's like, okay, God, you said this is going to happen to me. This is for me. This is what you have for me. But I don't see it. David, stay focused here. It's going to happen. It's not your time. Have you know it's God's time? Stay focused here, David. You and me here. Because I've got a plan for you. Stay focused. Have a tikva that ties you from that anointing day to the time you get on the throne. Your expectation ties you to that. Don't leave that tie. Don't lose that tie. Here's the second thing. It takes resources. It takes resources. You see, your objective will come with a cost. It will cost you something to reach your expectation. If we're going to grow, if we're going to have more kids, we're going to have more youth, how many of you know it's going to cost us something? If you're going to grow, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost a lot of things in your life. It's going to cost time and faith and prayer and money. All those things are going to be a cost in your life. Here's number three. Praying in faith moves us to action. It moves us to action. If I don't have any action to my prayer, then I really don't believe my prayer. So I have to pray, and then I have to put feet to it. I have to move in the direction that I'm praying. I have to put action to the prayer. Here's the last one. Action requires some sweat equity. Boy, do we know about sweat this week. You have to have some sweat equity when you move into action. Well, I thought God was going to do it. He is, but he's going to use you to do it. You're going to have to do it. He's going to move through you and I to do it. Well, God, I thought you were going to kill the giant. I'm going to kill it, but you've got to go out and do the fighting. You and I are going to be an instrument in what God's going to do. Jesus, I thought you were going to feed the 5,000. I am, but you're going to be the carriers of the food out here to all the people. So what are we expecting today? What are you expecting? Well, I'm expecting to go back to school. I'm going to go back to college in August, and I'm going to make straight A's for the next uh, semester and, and the next year. That's good. But I'm going to guarantee you, you may have to have some sweat equity to get that done. Well, I'm going to ramp up my business. That's good, but you're going to have to have some sweat equity to do that. Well, God, you're going to grow the church. I believe that. I pray that every Sunday morning. You've heard me say, God, fill up this house again and again and again and again. Fill it with your people. Fill it for those who are seeking. Fill it for people who are wanting to change their lives. But also fill it with your grace, your mercy, your love, your salvation, your deliverance, your healing. Fill it up, oh God. Why am I praying that way? Because that's what I'm expecting. And I can't just pray it. I've got to have action and sweat equity into that or I'm just chiming to God with no action at all. So are you preparing for what you're praying for? I remember a story, and a mother told this, and she told her teenage son who was getting ready to leave high school and he's moving to college. And so she said, I realize that one of these days you're going to get married and you're going to have to really pray about who you're going to marry. 
And he said, okay, Mom, I got it. And so one day, she said she went into his room, and he had a bikini hanging off the side of his bed. And she said, what's this bikini for? And she said, Mom, you said that I need to really pray and believe for what I am praying for. Now, that may be a little crazy, but I don't know what size the bikini was. But, but I kind of think he had in his mind what kind of woman he wanted and what kind of wife he wanted. I don't know what your expectation is, but whatever it is, it's not going to be fully met in you and it's not going to be fully met in God. My expectations from God, but God, I think you're going to use me to reach what my tie is for the goal or where I'm headed. Now, I really feel like somebody here today has comp contemplated the words that I've spoken. I want you to bow your head. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.